I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Trigger, 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 trigger. (laughs) <laughs> we're ready oh you're gonna clap right. I was waiting for your clap you said you're gonna clap <sighs> oh I missed <laughs> oh I already clapped but I can clap again right, I'll snap here we go hi I'm Nolika Radway I'm Andrea O'Brien and this is Triggered our podcast about all things in media that have us feeling lots of things. How are you doing this morning, Anne? Discombobulated. That's the word jour. That's where I am. I want to say that's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling um jarred. <laughs> like, like, uh-huh. like you know, jarred like, is good. This is jarring. I feel like uh, I'm just const. I feel like this constant state. Of- but I'm happy to be here with you because it always settles me. It always like it's like a grounding place. Our conversation, all of our conversations, but this one, you know, like this consistency. You know, like you know, lunchtime is coming, no matter what your morning is like. It's like that. It's like it's like lunchtime of my week. So, would you like to share with us um, which tarot you have? Mm-hmm. So, because I'm all discombobulated today, I just pulled my mm-hmm. tarot. I got the from our um, our next world tarot deck by the lovely mm-hmm. Christy Rhodes. I got the two of pentacles, which is about, inter- right, about intersection, um, forks in the road, choosing between the reality or what we think is real and the astral energy. And so the end, the two of pentacles asks you to consider every intersection, educate yourself of the truths that exist beyond your reality, judge them, excavate their roots, disregard their inaccurate inaccuracies and take the chosen path with total awareness. So, you know, me always pining over the logical versus the goddess energy, the what's real, the what the white folks taught me versus what I know in my heart um, Mm -hmm. and what my ancestors are guiding me. So it's really like, all right, why don't you, why don't you do the examination of everything and take what you know and feel to be true and then move forward on your path? I'm picking in real time too. So we're going to see. I have right. an eye on my card. Eight of Cups. Oh, we love this card. This card always reminds me of you. This is this my is card. Like, yeah, this is this card always reminds me of you. Um, Eight of Cups, Abandon. I've gotten this card many times. Um, and it's about um, letting go and moving on and just like also feeling confident about that decision. And also, like, recognizing that everybody can't come with you. And just how do you leave that when everybody, everything can't come with you? Um, It's interesting. I'm going to read it a little bit more when I settle myself. It's also the full moon. Yeah, I was going to say, because get out of my head, when we're recording this, it is a full super. It should be like a blood moon or a super moon or something tonight. And there's a lunar eclipse. Mm -hmm. And our girl, Tamil, told us, 
I think y'all should just ride that shit out. Just let it happen. She was like, I want to give y'all something to do. <laughs> but literally, Tamil, this is Tamil of the Overflow for those of you who don't know. Yes, good sis. Um, friend in my head. She was like, I want to give y'all something to do, but I'm going to just let y'all, I'm just say, let that shit happen. And I was like, what? <laughs> when she said that, I was like, no goddess, I'm looking for instructions. And the instructions were, I'm going to need you to just let it. What is that? What is the shit that you're going to let happen though? What is, what is? I don't know. She was just like, she was like, just let it happen. Like, I think you should just let it happen. That's all she said. (laughs) It was like a 50 second reel. She was like, like, I want to have something more to say to you, but I'm just like, cause it's a lunar eclipse and full moon in Sagittarius. And I'm just going to say, ride it out. Let it happen. And you know, Mercury is about to be in retrograde yet again. And I'm like, all right, so. Full moon is my time. Full to, full moon is my time. It's like when I feel fullest. Like I feel like full moon is my time. Um, this Mer- Mercury situation, not so much, but we're going to, okay, we're going to go with it. All right. What do you have for us this morning, Anne? I've been doing very, very heavy the last few times. I've decided I'm going to go. <laughs> These are always medium, like, every time we start with this, this it's never, we don't know what's going to be because we're triggered. That's what happens. Because sometimes when you get triggered, you get, you disassociate. We so don't. You like play it down. You don't remember what exactly happened when you got triggered. But go ahead. I'm ready. Go ahead. Tell me, tell me what you're talking about. <laughs> so, um, um, another great friend in my head and one of my favorite authors, Roxane Gay, has a newsletter book club mm-hmm. sort of group. Um, the newsletter is called Audacity, and she sends things out and often features other young writers or up-and-coming writers. And so this particular article is by someone named Tyrone Florizard, and the title of the article is called How to Name Your Son in a Racist Country. And so Tyrone is a black man of Haitian descent. Mm -hmm. And his, I think, you know, he tells the story first from the perspective of his parents going to the hospital to have him. And his father, I think is either late or has to do something for work. So he doesn't come. And so his mother names him Tyrone without his father being there. Okay, And you know, for those of us, born in the 70s and 80s Tyrone is a black like you choose a black name Tyrone Mm -hmm. is it like Tyrone he talks about going to private school and he talks about going to private school and being around the white folks and things like that calling himself Ty and all the things attached to the blackness of that name that he was trying to kind of maneuver in a world that's not always kind and, you know, sees you by your name and judges you by your name. And the reason this triggered me is, so my name is super, super Anglo, right? First middle, first middle, last name. O'Brien is my family name. My sister's name is the same, Um, you know, And I asked my parents, like, how did you get my name? And they're like, from a book. But the story goes on is that when they came to New York in the late 60s and early 70s, everyone was naming their children either these names tied to their African roots or Arabic roots if you were Muslim or these, in their head, fake made-up African names. Because there are some of those. You know, whatever. It's our people. We can do what we want. And they were very concerned with us being able to get a job. And my father's whole point was, I wanted someone to look at your resume and judge you from the content of your resume and not your name. Like I wanted you to get a foot in the door. 
I remember growing up with the name Andrea feeling like, oh, I wish my name was anything else. Do you know what I mean? Like wishing that I had a jazzy name or a <laughs> jazzy. <laughs> I love that. A jazzy name. Fun name mm-hmm. or a memorable name with a cute nickname and something like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, my nicknames are Ann, Annie or Andy, depending on when you've mm-hmm. met me. And mm-hmm. to me, like, all right, you know, I wanted to be, you know, mm-hmm. a Billy or a Corey mm-hmm. or something, something cute or something um, where you couldn't identify my gender or something cute. And I remember thinking at first, OK, I understand that. And as the years went on, I was like, how awful that you had to friggin' even consider how you were naming someone in terms of how, and obviously this happens for lots of people, right? Um, Asian people take a, take an English name many times, white like people white people do that, do that, do that shit too. Or they shorten their name. And I'm like, how awful that we have to come into this horrible melting pot of a country and allegedly melting pot to make us all this homogenized mayonnaise thing when first of all that never happens and second of all that you can't name your children in the tradition of however you would have named them now my parents names are very you know Beverly and Prince so they don't have Prince? Whoa, whoa, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. whatever names whoa. either whoa 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 this is whoa 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 <laughs> okay we should back up there we should okay. back up there I just want to be clear Prince is not Michael. Prince is not Michael. Prince is not Peter. Prince is not George. Prince is not whatever. Prince is Prince. So it's kind of a dope name, actually. Um, you know, it just it, it was triggering about the, just all the things that we have to do to make ourselves fit, all the ways in which we have to contort ourselves. And your name is such a big and important space in your life. Um, and like I said, depending on when you meet someone, how they identify and all that stuff. And so he talks about the coming back to-ness of his journey with his name um, and how he navigated through that and meeting people and dating and all that thing, all that stuff. And I thought it was just such a well-written kind of musical article, the way he was doing it through in third person and all that. But it was just really around the struggle with our identity um, in many facets, but your name being that thing. And you don't name yourself. Someone names you. So uh, already you are a reflection of someone else's life on you. And then you have to then take that thing if it's not satisfactory to you and further contort it. And none of this is a reflection of who you are. Like imagine if we had a ceremony where you get to name yourself at like 20. Because what would your name be? I want assignment. Assignment. First time on Triggered. Assignment. What would your name be if you had to name yourself? It would be Nolika, which is interesting. I hope one of my children names their child after me and I have these dreams of like junior no, like, it's interesting it's, but it's an interesting thing that you said because um names are so powerful names are so powerful and I've know I've met so many people yeah. who name themselves like people who I only know them by this name and I'm like, like the name that they've given me and then I realize like no I just started calling myself that two years ago and I'm like wait what because I meet them when I meet you know I know a lot. I, you have yeah, the power I to do that. I need to meet people, people who have just renamed themselves, and often it happens. Also, in you know, I know a lot of students that have named renamed themselves because of gender. Sometimes it's because of who they feel. What all kinds of yeah, and it is a very powerful thing to choose your name. It's also a really powerful thing to like own like own your name too, and like how um, you feel it. But yeah, yeah, I definitely would. And then we've named people. 
it, right? Like I, you've named, I've named people, you've named people. Funny thing is, my name mm-hmm. is Andrea. I've always called myself mm-hmm. Andrea, right? I've never shortened my name. I will never introduce mm-hmm. myself with a shortening or nickname. Anyone who has met me after nine after nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety nine, pretty much calls me Anne because my ex husband shortened my name to mm-hmm. Anne with mm-hmm. his friends in college. It was like a joke where they shortened all of our all of our names to whatever. Mm-hmm. I struggled against that when I got separated and divorced. And then I was like, when I thought about myself, I was like, but I'm absolutely Anne. Like all of the things that have happened in my life, and then I stopped fighting it. Like no, mm-hmm. Anne is like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. who I am, along with Andrea, along with any other nickname. All of these things make me me, and so I don't stress it anymore. But it was definitely something that I stressed out about when I, when it first happened. So what do you have? What's your first thing? Yeah, so basically I spent the whole week watching everything you suggested on our last recording. So that, <laughs> that's kind of... <laughs> I love it. So I don't really have... I don't really have much, but um, I do. I do consume media. So the first thing I want to share is I listened to a podcast um, called um, "Louder Than a Riot." Oh, and I found it extremely triggering for two reasons. The first one, first of all, it is it the episode that I watched. I got sent to because of a good good sis, Cece, um, Pascal, who is an incredible podcast producer, editor, friend, friend, and um, did this episode about her sister. And um, so the episode is about her sister, who she just recently reconnected with. Um, They both, you know, kind of had very similar paths, but separate. Um, They share a father. And Cece, my friend, ended up living with her grandmother. And her sister, Mary, ended up going into the foster care system. Oh. Um, they both had mothers with, like, mental health issues. So what happened, happened. So the episode, Mary, Cece's sister, talks about being part of the system early in and, like, what happens to you when you become a ward of the state. And some um, she tells a story of... Her mother went, was having like an episode, like a psychotic episode, and during the episode, kicked her out of the house. She decided to take a joyride. She's like 11 years old. She sees a car that had already been jacked, so it had like um, a screwdriver in the ignition. And, oh, wow. And she and a friend took a joyride. Very quickly after they got in the car, the car flipped over and crashed. Oh, my gosh. She ended up landing on her arm, um, pinned in the car. Somebody on the block let her out. And she was like, I'm just going to I was just going to go home. I knew I didn't want anything to do with the cops. Next thing she woke up, she was in a hospital bed at 11, handcuffed to the bed. Moving forward, long story short, the you know her mother shows up at the hospital with also with social services and social services asks this eleven year old child, "Do you want to go with us or do you want to go home with her mother?" And she says at that moment she remembered feeling like she just wanted some stability, she just wanted some kind of like home, and she had some imagining that she would find family and community with this like the state or like this idea of living in a oh wow uh, orphanage or something so she's like i want to go with the social worker of course it was nothing like that and um anyway the story goes on you should totally listen to it it's called louder than the riot um i'll find the episode we'll put in our show notes 
But I was so fucking pissed off because what the who asked a 11 year old to make that decision and what kind of guilt and like weight that puts on a child i was so i was like but i know that's what happens and the thing is i know that while while 11 year olds aren't stupid they still don't have the the knowledge yet of the world so i'm like tell them what foster care could be like for them like Mm -hmm. hey i know Mm -hmm. what is happening at home which would make you Mm -hmm. make this choice and also you could go into a group home you could go here Mm -hmm. like this is the reality of the situation. You may not find what you're... Mm-hmm. What are you looking for? Because you may not find that here. <laughs> and why are those the only two options that are, are available those the only to two black options children? Like, why are those the only... Like, why can't you help her mother get well? Like, why can't... Like, what What are the other options... Because healing us that is are available just not to this black in there. Child? And it's... So it was really triggering. That was really triggering. And then the other part was really triggering is at the beginning of the episode and... um. There's like, you know, they have this podcast has um, black people hosting it. And like I said, my friend who is one of the editors and, and produced this episode um, are, is a black person. But you just I could just tell and hear the whiteness, the whitewashing, the editing of their dialogue and conversation in the beginning of the episode that is like makes me cringe and i often it, you know what was particularly triggering about that is this idea of like you can be a black person you can even be like a creator but the white person in the editing room the white um gaze that you have to be accountable to whether yeah. because they are paying for the art or because they run the production company or they are the editor or they are the critic or they they will just fuck up your whole shit, your whole voice, like just completely like... Or leave key considerations out. They leave key considerations on the cutting floor all the time. Like the why. This is not just a situation. Why is it like this? What brought black people to this state? Right. They just don't consider digging deep. Yeah. There's so... And there's such a desire to like... Like some of the notes I'm often getting when I'm doing this work, um, podcast production, audio production work is around say more, tell more. And it's like, no, I know black. You don't need to say anymore. I understand what you're saying. Here. And there's this obsession with editing out like pops. Like, I don't know with pops. Oh, you don't even know what a pop is. No, right? mm-hmm. so you don't talk about this because we're two black women producing a podcast for other black people edited by a black person. But why? Like, Audio sound, like highly edited audio podcasting, they are obsessed with getting out all of the sounds that are part. (laughs) You mean the stuff that makes me feel good on a record when I hear the crackle and the pop because I know it's real vinyl and this is not compressed a million times and homogenized and I, I hear the realness. No, that's cooking for us. That's seasoning. We don't need that going. No, no, it, no. It does something to their ears. Like it does. Oh, it, because like blandness. Problem. Because blandness is a yeah. thing. Amen. Blandness is a thing. So anyway, so it's a thing. So anyway, it was triggering for me. And yeah, what do you have next for us, Anne? All right. So speaking of white people that did a really fantastic job with a black subject. Oh, nice. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, so who are those people? Tell me. <laughs> I was sent uh, via someone at my job. The show was called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. John Oliver is one of my personal faves. It's a show on HBO that comes on, I think, Sunday nights where he examines the last week of news, everything that goes on. And John Oliver is a white guy from Great Britain. I don't know where in Great Britain he's from. Um, And he basically talks about different topics all through his show. And he will, um, he will take a segment that's like 20 minutes and that will be his main segment. So he decided Mm -hmm. this segment is what, (laughs) what white people need to know about, about black hair. So <laughs> he goes on oh, a 24 Oliver. minute rant. 24 minutes. Yes. Like rant, um, educational. But the way in which he did it, you know that six black people sat around in a room and wrote this out for him and explained to oh, him wow. and educated him. And he took it really fucking seriously. And he's a comedian. So he goes, when he talks about wig braids and wig caps and all the things. And he talks about not just the look of it, but the, the ways in which we've had to contort ourselves around whiteness and our hair and professionalism and all these things. And then he gets some black people towards the end. So he gets, he gets um, Uzo and Craig Robinson and Leslie Jones. He's like, if you want some further validation on this, listen to these black people. And at the end of it, they just like, you can just fuck off. Which I love because they're like, this is actually, <laughs> after all that he said, this ain't really your business. So what you can do if you can't oh, Google it. is just fuck off. And so, oh, I love but, it. It, but it's so well done it. and it's so funny and it's oh, so true it. and accurate. And the care in which he does it, I'm like, I don't do that whole, we're inviting you to the barbecue thing. Nah, like, you know, mm-hmm. y'all invited to too much already. So we good. But it was, it was so well done. It was so very good. And um, so I wanted, I, I was like, I need to put this in a group chat somewhere so folks can see it. So it's Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. We'll put it in the group notes. Uh, but it's a show that comes on HBO. And he us- and to be honest, most subjects, political subjects, what have you, if you have an ounce of sense, it is a show that you would totally enjoy. Trigger is an amazing film called Lucky Grandma. And I discovered it because a friend of mine was one of the producers of the film. And they're like, oh, you got to like, oh, my film, Lucky Grandma. I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch it. It's so good. (laughs) It is so incredibly good. It tells a story of a grandma, a Chinese grandma in Chinatown, New York City, present day. And... For a whole host of reasons, superstitions, all kinds of things, um, it becomes like her lucky day. And she takes 
you know, if you grew up in New York City, you know there are these buses that take you to the casinos or Atlantic <laughs> City or in Connecticut. If you don't know, you ask somebody. And Lucky Grandma gets on the bus. She goes to the casino, and she just starts having the luckiest day. Like She's just like, luck, luck, like, just like, just luck, 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 luck. It's incredibly funny. It's so good. And the thing that I kind of like what is triggering about it for me is two things. One is Chinatown in New York City. And there is not enough films. There's not enough media. There's not enough attention. There's not enough conversations about Chinatown, the people that live in Chinatown in New York City. And, you know, I, I, I know people who've grown up in Chinatown. Yeah. And there's just a way of, like, it is one of the most impoverished communities Ooh, tell it country tell it and no one like when you think of you know chinese americans you don't think of the people who live in chinatown new like new york city and what their experiences are and what like what the oppressions that they experience around everything like everything from sanitation to language so this was really fun because it's a movie that shows that like community and also has like um, a lightness and a fun and there's things to learn. And it was just so well done. I think everyone, please go see Lucky Grandma. I think it's streaming on Hulu and you can also get it like on Amazon and other things. But it's so incredibly funny, like so funny. That's, yeah. And that's funny. It's one of my favorite parts of New York City. It's one of my favorite parts of San Francisco when I've gone Mm-hmm. And you really do feel like you're walking into a whole other country. And mm-hmm. and you're just like, it's not just because of the concentration of Chinese people and how they live. It is also how the city then reacts to all of these people. And being black mm-hmm. people um, who may have grown up in different ways, we know how the city reacts. Services are reduced. Sanitation, mm-hmm. things like that are all reduced. They kind of just leave you to do mm-hmm. your own thing and they provide you the bare minimum. So it is... It is very interesting, but it is also one of my favorite parts of the city to just be in um, and roam because mm-hmm. it feels like mm-hmm. immigrants feel like home. Immigrants of color, anyway. All right, so this thing. So I have a choice for you: comedy or food? Oh, comedy or you know, food? No, I like a good choice. Oh, I know that's hard. Oh, <laughs> food. Okay, so food is not something we have talked about on the show yet. I know, that's why I picked it. That's why I picked it. Um, so I, on Instagram, because it's still media I was consuming, I saw a video, and I will put this video in the show notes, but the video was around the making and consuming of <sighs> oxtail tacos. And hold on, if y'all could see Nolika's face right now, because... No, way. <laughs> Because oxtail tacos. Because, amen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are you talking about? Oxtail anything. Oxtail lasagna. Oxtail macaroni and cheese. Just do it. Oxtail, Just do like, it. Anything with oxtail is going to hit. There's no way around that. The care and love with which this sh- this black woman was making the oxtail and then shredding the oxtail with her bare hand, shredding the meat off of it, and then preparing the tortillas and then putting in the things that would go with the oxtail in the taco and then eating the taco, I have been thinking about this. This is why it's on Triggered. Because I have been thinking about this for weeks. 
And so I don't make oxtails, but I'm prepared to learn. My mama makes a mean oxtail. So what she don't know is when she gives me my small vat of oxtails, mm-hmm. because oxtails was on sale. And for those of you who have never had oxtails, oxtails are expensive. <laughs> they cost it, plenty, it plenty. Is, <laughs> so she got boxes <laughs> of oxtail that are usually like eleven ninety nine and all that kind of stuff for like six and seven ninety nine. So my first question is, are they big and thick? Did they cut it right? Like what kind of oxtails you getting for them prices? <laughs> when she makes them, I am saving to do the hand shredding and preparing of said taco because I have been thinking about this. I can't wait to put this this link in the liner notes. I sent it to like four people. I was like, I need you, yeah, everybody to get their lives. Yeah. Everything in the taco was yeah, good to me yeah. anyway, but this was, this was life altering. Triggering mm-hmm. because one, why don't you know how to make oxtails? You are Jamaican. What is your issue? And so then, mm-hmm. then I had to think about all the ways in which I am not my mother and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the ways in which I was not invited into the kitchen to do more than eat um, because the, the patience level and the teaching of the mm-hmm. baby boomers mm-hmm. to their kids, mm-hmm. not a thing. And so, yeah, I, I didn't learn to make it. Like I can cook, but oxtails was something that I'm, I'm going to just have to figure this out before I can't figure it out no more. Um, because this needs to happen. YouTube, it'll be fine. It, yes, it it's will okay. be fine. YouTube, you you can make oxtails. So that's that's my yeah, that's my can. food thing, and I'm like I'm gonna have more food additions because I watch plenty of food videos because that is who I am. Oh, that's so good. Please bring it. Please bring it. So this weekend I had a really wonderful date with my boo, and um, I took a video of myself on riding on the back of a bike. And I just loved the video and I was like, I'm going to post it as part of my IG stories. And I went into IG and I learned how to add music to my <laughs> IG stories. I saw that. And then there is another filter that allows you to like make it look like old movie. Yeah. So I made the, my my last trigger is just like it's a good one. Like I'm just joyful. I could watch it over and over again. So I'm just like, I'm going to share the link to my video because I love it. And you should watch it, too, because it, it brings me joy. And hopefully it'll bring you joy, too. But the music. And your hair is dope all, in the video. Your had, hair is just dope. Thank you. Um, but they had Barris Hammond uh-huh. as one of the songs right away, right up my alley. I was like, that's my joint. And, um, yeah. And then you can save it in my highlights so I could go, go back and watch it whenever I want to. So I'm just happy. I guess I was like technology social media sometimes but this is a time where i'm just really i'm 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 feeling all nice about it learning new things as a, um, mm-hmm. a middle-aged person i hate saying that but on social oh, is media that us? are we middle-aged i know i am so you know <laughs> i posted something that was like i can go out in the day or i can go out at night but i absolutely cannot do both I don't even want to do both. That's how I know I'm middle aged. I don't want to be out all day and all night. I need nap time. Wow. I need. I got housework to do. Middle, middle child. Age. Ask me to go out at night, and I'm like, can yeah. we go out someplace and sit? What well, are we I watching? Right. I own. I can own that. I own that. I own that. I own that. I own that. Either way, that's, that's fine. That's I'm fine. like, I when that. I learn to do something new on these here interwebs, it is it is a joyous thing <laughs> for me that I don't have to go ask my kids. It's all good. It's all good. I'm seasoned. My middle aged friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, my love. I'll speak to you next time. Bye. All right. Bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.